Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for the sake of guests here this morning, we try and pick up a little bit from where we've been in, uh, in past weeks. As Steve said, we've been nearly two years going through different parts of Genesis, not all of it, but um, selecting certain parts of it. And um, we spent a few weeks with Jacob, you know? Um, an amazing God, working with an amazing man with all his faults. He was amazing in his own way, and uh, because he's part of God's story. Even though he was a flawed individual, he was part of God's story. And I know many of us, you know, we, we've been discussing this in, in our growth groups, you know, it, it's, just, um, it's just amazing how God used Jacob and, and blessed him, even though he's a flawed individual. And it gives us, it encourages us, because we, we say, well, 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 there's possibility, there's room for me as well. There's room for all of us. And that's just a wonderful thing to think about and, to, and a place to be, is to know God's grace on our lives. Once we're accepted in Christ Jesus, it's an amazing place to be. But the focus changes now, and it focuses to another individual, and his name is Joseph. And it's Joseph 37 this morning, if you like to turn in your Bibles. Verses 1 to 11. I'm reading from the ESV Bible, or translation, I should say. Genesis 37, and it's entitled Joseph's Dreams. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Well, I thought we were going to talk about Joseph. Yeah, we are. We see Jacob's still in the picture, he's still holding a baton in God's big story, a very large baton. He's a holder of truth, he's a patriarch. He's, he has something which he's going to pass on, even if it's just his experience about God. But holding on to Jacob, we now focus on Joseph because he becomes a very large part of Genesis for the next 14 chapters, except part from one. So Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers, he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them of his father. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. Not the only person who's had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, 
the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. Okay. It's strange. Uh, Joseph's name means may the Lord add. If you remember when we looked at Rachel, when she finally gave birth to a child, eh? Jacob, both of them actually, having prayed for a child, God gave them the child Joseph. And Rachel said, may the Lord add. So if this is the generations of Jacob, which we've looked at, and Joseph now comes on the scene, we're going to see an addition to the story, as it was. We're going to see an addition you know, to uh, God's overall plan in bringing Joseph into the picture. We're actually going to see an addition of the manifestation of God as we look at Joseph. And so in a sense, there are many ways we could look at Joseph and say, we're going to see more now as we read the life of Joseph. Much, much more. Some of you may remember the musical Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Steve mentioned it earlier by Andrew Lloyd Weather and Tim Rice. A very, a quite a great production, but it had a very small beginning. It had a very small beginning. I'll just read you a, a little bit from, from Wiki uh, thing, and it says, The musical Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat has been on a roller coaster since its first small production. Joseph was first presented as a 15-minute pop cantata at Collet Court School in London in 1968 and was recorded as a concept album in 1969. After the success of the next Lloyd Webber and Rice piece, Jesus Christ Superstar, Joseph received stage productions beginning in 1970 and expanded recordings in 1971 and 1972. While still undergoing various transformations and expansions, the musical was produced in the West End in 1973 and then its full format was recorded in 1974 and opened on Broadway in 1982. After Andrew Lloyd Webber's father, William, had hosted a second production lasting 35 minutes at Westminster Central Hall, and that was earlier on in the, when it came onto the scene, this is what he said. I see this production manifests seeds of greatness. I see this production manifest seeds of greatness. Now, I don't want to use that as a title this morning, but I'd like it to be a thought trajectory. It manifests seeds of greatness. Now, as we begin looking at the life of Joseph, we will, we will see this happening. The story manifests seeds of greatness. Something more, a bigger picture. It paints a bigger picture it tells a bigger story. It carries on a bigger understanding or more understanding of God's overall plan in the earth. So in actual fact, you know, what he said was quite prophetic. He said, I see here it manifests seeds of greatness. So from its small beginnings in that school, it went on from the West End to Broadway and still productions today, even to a film. 
and now. But that's just the production. That's just the story. As believers, we look to this story of Joseph, and we have to remind ourselves, here is, here is a story, but it's telling a bigger story. It's painting a bigger picture. It's actually going to bring us into telling us about a life that has better promises. Better promises. And from that, something which has come up in our worship time this morning is that of hope. It brings us into reality that even though we're here this morning, God has a better future. God has a better offer to this world that can actually give us hope in this life. When Paul was talking to early Christians at Corinth, he was talking about the resurrection and he said this words, he said, if in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If only in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. And I think that expresses what Maggie was trying to get across to us this morning. We Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, has so much to look forward to that actually what we go through in this life here and now pales into insignificance if we can just but grasp what God has prepared for those that love him. Seeds of greatness. It's a thought trajectory, not a title. And I just want to just remind us of some of the things that we can look at in this story. You know, many people use the word great, but they don't say what they mean by saying great. You know, someone says, oh, I'm going to do this, and you say, oh, it's great. But what do you really mean by that? Mm, I hope you enjoy yourself. Wish I was coming too. I don't know. But we use that word quite loosely. In actual fact, Luke, um, as he begins his writings in the New Testament, telling the story of, of John the Baptizer and Jesus, um, the angel said, um, said to, uh, who was he said it to now? When the angel spoke, he said about John the Baptist to Zacharias before he was born, about his son, he said, he will be great. It also said that about Jesus, he will be great. But what did it mean? What did it mean? Well, of John the Baptist, it said he will uh, turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. I think that's amazing. John the Baptizer, when he came and he lived and he worked amongst the people, the angel was saying he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. I think that's something really great, isn't it? And we live in a society today when the hearts of the fathers need to be turned to their children. There are many absent fathers today. So he said he would be great. The angel also said about Jesus, he would be great. But what would that mean? Well, he would save the people from their sins. Is that not great? <laughs> That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That anyone in this world who wants their sin dealt with can turn to Jesus and find life everlasting. Is that not great? It's amazing, isn't it? We can have eternal life through knowing Jesus. So when he said they would be great, they were indeed great. But there are seeds of greatness 
in this story. There are details of Joseph's life, and we've looked at some this morning. Well, if we think of the life of Joseph before we reach this point, Joseph has seen lots of people in his early years killed by the Canaanites. He lost his mother at 10. He stood afraid with his family as they approached Esau. He knew that his father Jacob had had an experience with God one night and God had spoke to him. And so his life was sort of a mixed bag, wasn't it really? But he comes through. So Joseph has seen a lot. So if we're looking at seeds of greatness, the first thing I want to look at this morning is the details of Joseph's life speak of Jesus' life in a prophetic and uncompromising way. Now, if we can see Jesus in this story, we shall see seeds of greatness, real greatness. You know, Joseph's brothers didn't believe him as he related things about himself and the future to them. We read that in our passage this morning. And yet they turned out to be true. And yet they turned out to be true. It's no different today, the same. We can hear the words of Jesus. We can know the words of Jesus. We can be amazed at the words of Jesus. But unless we believe what he says we will never come to believe in him. Jesus said, the words I give to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. So in actual fact, what Joseph was saying here, despite the family conflict about it, were actually gonna become true. But actually going to become true. They were actually true words. Actually, true words. So let's get this. When Jesus was here, he said, the words I speak, they are the words of eternal life. They are the words of eternal life. That's why what Jesus said, the words we have recorded of what he said, is so important. Because his words are spirit and they are life. And if Jesus said to you and said to me, and he does say that to you and to me this morning, if you believe on me and you trust in me, you, will not, you'll, you not only know forgiveness of sins and peace with God, but you will have everlasting life. These are the words of Jesus. Now if we read and know the words of Jesus and then believe them in our heart, they will become true. So what do we say this morning? Hear the word of the Lord? You know the, the spiritual, don't you? About the bones, uh, the ankle bone speaks to the leg bone, but it finishes up by saying, now hear the word of the Lord. That was the essence of it, the words that Jesus spoke when he was here, and still speaking today, are spirit, and they are life. They're life eternal. So his brothers didn't believe him, but actually they turned out, to be true. Can I just remind you this morning what Jesus has said will actually turn out to be true. That's a confirmation of what believers have. They have confidence in Jesus and in what he says. 
its power. Its power. His brothers would have him killed by their own hands out of jealousy and hatred given the chance. We read that in the story this morning. These are things about Jesus. It's written in the New Testament about Jesus, they hated me without a cause. Here there was some sort of cause for them to hate him. We can understand that, can't you? But you know, Jacob was actually sowing into his life thoughts of superiority. Jacob was planting into his life something which was better than what he was. He was actually setting him apart. He was saying, now, J- now, now Joseph, you're, I believe you're important. I believe you're so important that actually I'm going to make you a special robe. Which is what Jacob did. But not to go too far here, his brothers would have killed him. I can, I can remember one instance when Jesus was there and the, the hatred was growing in the people's hearts as they listened to him and they, they tried to kill him. But Jesus escaped. Well, he didn't escape. He knew what was happening and it wasn't his time to go through death. But they didn't lay their hands on him. It wasn't his time. It was their time. They would have killed him a long time before he went to the cross. And that's a strange thing. Joseph's life is preserved because they were going to kill him when he went out to see them later on. But it didn't happen for some reason. He was sold to the Egyptians as a slave. But anyway, his brothers would have killed him. So we're seeing seeds of greatness here. In the story of Joseph, it's pointing to Jesus. It's like a telescope and a pair of binoculars. Yeah, I can see Joseph, but behind him stands someone far greater, far higher, who experienced similar things, and their life seems similar in some ways, but it's a greater character, he's a greater person. So seeds of greatness in the, in the story of Joseph are that Joseph's life is pointing to Jesus. That's the greatness. That's a seed of greatness as we do that. There's another one. There's that rocking, that swing between humiliation and exaltation. Jesus was humiliated when he was here by people around him. And he was even humiliated as much that men killed him when there was no sin in him. And they nailed him to a cross. They nailed him to a cross. That's what they wanted to do, so they did it. And God allowed them to do it. God allowed them to do it, but you see, that was his final humiliation. With all the wonderful things that Jesus did, and all the praise that Jesus received, and all the accolades and the worship that he received, there was still, he went through humiliation and suffering. He still went through it. He did it because he was identifying with us. He was giving his life to us and saying, I understand, I know. I've borne it, and yet he was exalted. And the Bible tells us Jesus was exalted to the highest place. And sometimes we sing, the highest place that heaven affords is his, by sovereign light, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he reigns in glorious light. The humiliation and the exaltation. And Joseph went through this in his life. 
the humiliation of being taken by his brothers and put in a pit, the humiliation of being sold into slavery and going to prison. The humiliation, it was humiliation, it was a, sh- it was a shame to be like that, and yet, you know, he had to go through it. But later, and I can't unfold the story for someone else, but we know, some, many people know the story, how that he was the ruler in Egypt. We won't go any further than that. But it's the swing between humiliation and exaltation. Joseph knew that, and Jesus went through that too. Seeds of greatness. God had a greater purpose that in a time of great need and famine, Joseph would become Lord of the harvest and save many lives. And save many lives. Jesus is known in the Bible as the Lord of the harvest. And Joseph was raised up. He was allowed to go through this humiliation and suffering, but he was raised up and taken into Pharaoh's palace and given the responsibility of the whole of Egypt because there was a famine. And God gave him all that he needed to be Lord of the harvest. Jesus is Lord of a different harvest, and it's the harvest of you and me. Because of him... And because of his words, because of what he did on the cross, because of his resurrection from the dead, and because he's exalted to the right hand of the Father, and because he is who he is, he's Lord of the harvest. And what was it John said also in Revelation? I see stood before him people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, standing before the throne, even those from Poland this morning. <laughs> So I have a Polish family. So Every nation before God, how marvellous is the work of God. He's Lord of the harvest, just as Joseph was Lord of the harvest, and that's an amazing thing. Lord of the harvest. And at the end, of getting towards the end of this particular story, part of Joseph's life, you know, He said to his brothers when they finally came to him and peace was made with them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in saving many lives. Do you know, each one of us, each person in the world needs God's salvation. If no one knows that salvation this morning, it's your opportunity to reach out to God and say, God save me. God help me. That's what Jesus died for, to save us. The salvation. God meant it for good in saving many lives. Now that was said about Joseph. But it's also a seed of greatness because it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. You know, when we read these, old t- these stories which are recorded in the Scripture... What we call the Old Testament, some people don't like using that word today. Um, the Jews don't like using the word Old Testament. I don't know why that is. Some of them tell me afterwards, but I, I saw that on the radio program the other night. Every time someone used the word, Shh, you shouldn't say that. And they talked about the scripture. The scripture says, you know, God had a greater purpose. Seeds of greatness. So the first thing is that Joseph's life spoke of Jesus in a prophetic and uncompromising way. Number two, things about Joseph's life which give credence that 
the gospel means, for what the gospel means to you and me. What the gospel means to you and me. The gospel is the fact that Jesus came and gave his life for us to actually paint for us a bigger picture, to give us a bigger story, and to give the world better promises, those that all sorts of people are giving today, which are not promises really, just actually vague words. But in Jesus Christ, as the promise says, you know, that means something. That means something. But for us this morning, if there's no more in the story of Joseph, it's only about Jesus, but there's something for us here as well. It gives credence to the gospel that what Jesus did for us really means. It really means something. It means something. So what, what can we find here? I'm just going to quote a bit, little bit of, um, from uh, what Phil Moore said. Now, you won't know Phil Moore. Some of you might know him, but he, he, he's written several books. Uh, he's in our family of churches. And he wrote a book on Genesis. And uh, he said uh, that if there was any squeaky clean human hero, Joseph was a strong contender for that honour. As we read on later in the story, he resisted the advances of Potiphar's wife to go to bed with him. And he resisted that. And I think that was a tough challenge. And I wonder why and how Joseph knew that it was wrong to do that before the Ten Commandments were ever given. You've got to be close to a God and know what he wants when you do something like that. But, uh, you know, so, so Fillmore says, if there's any squeaky clean human hero, Joseph was a strong contender for that honour, even though he was still a flawed individual. Nevertheless, he is held up as a model that we could emulate. He's a model that we could emulate. We could think of many things about his life. I mean, that one's a very good one in a moral sense, isn't it? Well, let's go on from there. I'm not going to dwell on those things. He's held up as a model that we can emulate. However, Jesus is not a contender for us to emulate, and I will explain that in a moment. As disciples, we follow Jesus because we believe in him. We believe his words to be true. We believe in him because of what he's done. But he's not, he's not a contender just to follow his ways. Now, Joseph was a contender for those, that moral stance in his life, but he can't, Joseph can't save us. Joseph could never save us. So the story points to something which is bigger and better. And we could be the most moral person on earth and almost the sinless person on earth and still we wouldn't be accepted by God. Why is that? But it's not trying to emulate someone but receiving something that they've done. Now this is a very strong point in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how is Jesus held up? He's held up as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was Peter who Jesus said to him, Peter, God revealed to you something which is amazingly important. I'm actually way above everyone else. 
Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the one that was promised. You're the one that has come. And there's no one can stand alongside you. You stand above all. You're higher than all. You're the only saviour of the world. You're unique. There's no one to match you. There's no one like you. So we could do all the things that Jesus did and we could still miss out on the salvation that God gives. I mean, we've had sermons on this recently. and We're trying to make this point, you know, the grace of God accepts us as we are. So, he's not a contender, he's the Christ. Yes, we follow him as disciples, aiming to be like him and doing the works that he did. And there's an amazing difference, and here's the difference. He stands in my place. Joseph can never stand in our place, but Jesus did. As a guilty sinner, Jesus stood in my place. He sealed my pardon with his blood. He took my life as it was and he stood in my place. Now Joseph can never stand in our place but Jesus can and has. He stood in our place. So in one foul swoop of scandalous, ridiculous exchange I get everything for nothing. I get everything for nothing. That's scandalous because you won't find that at work in our world today. I get everything for nothing. But this is at the heart of the gospel, I get all that God ever wanted for me for doing nothing about it. Only trusting Jesus as my saviour. So the life of Joseph actually is telling us a bigger story. So. What actually do I get? And these things we can find similarly in Joseph. Jacob ranked Joseph above his brothers. He actually put him in a special place. And you know, when we come to Jesus and we trust in him for what he's done, he puts us in a special place. Perfect, holy, undefiled, and separate from sinners, just as he is. Now, can I ask you to believe that about yourself this morning? You say, I remember we had a girl working for us once, she said, I could never be good enough to come to church. And that says it, doesn't it? We don't have to be. <laughs> He's done it all. It's scandalous, it's ridiculous, but it's the heart of the gospel. He stands in my place and I get everything for doing nothing about it. Just bringing myself to the table and say, Jesus, I receive what you have done. But what, what, does, this, what does the gospel do for us in coming to Jesus? It actually sets us apart. Now, jo Jacob was going to set Joseph apart by making him a coat of many colours. He was going to set him apart. And through Jesus, we're set apart too. And somewhere, I can't remember where this morning, but it, when we come to him, he places a robe 
of righteousness upon us, and that's in fact to cover what we are and to remind us what, what Jesus has given to us. He gives us a rope. We are set apart. Can I ask you to believe this morning, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're set apart? You're different from someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Saviour. But don't let Joseph go around telling everyone, I'm the best and all the rest of it. We don't do that. We sort of exercise humility about it, but actually glory in what Jesus has done. So wonderful is the work, what he's done for us. He sets us apart. Giving credence to the gospel as we read the life of Joseph. So in rank, we're actually something special as far as God is concerned. We're also eminent for ability, virtue, authority, and power. If we read our New Testaments correctly and what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and to other churches, we will find that God gives ability. He gives ability for self-control. He gives ability to believe, if you like, to exercise faith. That's a spiritual thing. He actually gives us ability sometimes to, to do something which we feel we can't do. We might not feel that we, we can talk to someone about Jesus, and sometimes he helps us and gives us the ability to do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Joseph was given ability later on to actually take... He was only a shepherd at one time, and yet he is ruling the country. Is that ability given by God? Yeah, it was a God-given ability. And when we come to know Jesus Christ as Saviour, we're given growing ability, increased seeds of greatness to grow and to become more like Jesus. We're given virtue. We're special to God. And he sees us as virtuous. We're able to put things right. We're able to do something about things we've never been able to do any before. God gives us ability and he gives us virtue. That's amazing. He gives us virtue, but he also gives us authority and power. Seeds of greatness. Seeds of greatness. Did you know that in Christ you have authority? And you have power? And I know some of you are looking a little bit blank. I don't think I've got any of that. But I just want to tell you that in Jesus Christ... If you pray about it, if you seek God about it, he will show you where you've got authority. You've actually given authority back to your own life, how you treat yourself and what you do in your own life. You can now take control of it. That's authority and he's got power. The spiritual gifts that are given to us in the church are acts of power. Was it we read the other week? Some he's given uh, remarkable faith. Some he's given um, the ability to do miracles. That's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in his church. And that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph was given the ability to interpret dreams. Where did that come from? It came because God was at work in his life. And when we come to know Jesus, God is at work in our life. And so... This gives credence to the gospel as we look at the life of Joseph. They're seeds of greatness for you and for me. The blessings we, we have, every spiritual blessing in heavenly place, Paul talks about in Ephesians, is ours in Jesus Christ.
and of things which overstep the province of the normal and the natural. When God's Spirit comes to live within us, there is a spiritual work. Our spirits are made alive. You know, the, the spirit that initially gave God, God gave to man now becomes alive when we find Jesus Christ as Saviour. You know, the, the natural and the normal, God has spoken miracles over this church. And we believe it's going to happen. And it's because we're going, they're seeds of greatness. They've been sown in this church. Seeds of greatness have been sown in God's church. And we need to take hold of them as we are. Lastly, I just want to just, we look at the coat of many colours that set Joseph apart. There's some wonderful things in that coat. It was a, it was a coat with sleeves, not a sleeveless coat. Meaning that uh, Jacob saw him as royalty. This is my coat of many colours. There you go. There's no sleeves. I had to wear that for my daughter's wedding several years ago now. And, um, and my son-in-law told me I got paid £90 for it. I didn't think it was a very good thing to do. <laughs> but it's my coat of many colours, all right? And Joseph was given a coat of many colours by his father, set apart. There's one interesting thing, because as we look at this story of Joseph, not only does it throw us into the future, but it throws us into the past in many ways. It throws us back on the promise that God gave to Abraham. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. It goes back a little further because this word here, when Joseph made, it tells us that Joseph made him a coat of many colours. And it's a very rare word that we find. It was said it's made out of something. The other time it's used is in Genesis where God made the heavens and the earth. And the difference between those words, although they're basically the same, is that he made out of nothing the heavens and the earth. But when it comes to Joseph's coat, jo Jacob made it out of something. There's a bit of a contrast there, but it's throwing us back and it's throwing us for God is so wonderful in his word, isn't he? Okay. Lastly, what God is doing through dreams and visions in the kingdom of God today as well as yesterday. So Joseph had these two dreams. We've read what they were. Later on in Joseph's life, he was used to interpret the, the, the dreams of Pharaoh. And Joseph, having been in prison, was actually taken into the palace because he could interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. So God given him his ability to do this, and he was raised and used in his purpose. But uh, it was just to focus a moment on dreams and visions, because when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up to preach and to remind the people of what was happening, because many were bewildered about what was going on. But he said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And he said, your... Uh, your old men shall dream dreams. No, young men shall dream dreams, and old men shall see... Oh, it's around the other way. Some will remind me. I've got it wrong somewhere. I know that. Um, but um, it was dreams and visions together. And I just couldn't find anybody who was commenting on dreams and visions. 
until I just put it in on the internet, and I found one person was willing to say something about it. John Piper. John Piper is a renowned, for those who don't know, he's a renowned and respected Bible teacher previously of Bethlehem Baptist Church in California. And he said, what's happening at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the opening of a new chapter of history. We live in this chapter and I want to unfold three of its characteristics from verse 17, but I want to do this with a very specific focus on the old and the young. Now, my focus was on the dreams and the visions. That's what I was looking for to, to, to comply with what Joseph's dreams and visions, his dreams, actually. It says, verse 17 says, Your young men will see visions. I've got it right now. Your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Neither will be left out. Both will be blessed in this way when the Spirit comes. He draws together in ministry sons and daughters who will prophesy, servants of all different descriptions who will prophesy. The Spirit will draw men and women together in ministry. He will draw low and upper class together in ministry. He will draw old and young together in ministry. The Spirit comes upon all, fills all, gives gifts to all, and empowers all for witness and ministry. It is not of the Spirit when old or young withdraw from the other or from the ministry. So in actual fact, it's a levelling out that all of us will work together for the gospel, for telling others about Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because we say this age difference in the church very often, don't we? And yet the Holy Spirit wants to unite all, all together for the sake of the gospel, so that we might work together for the gospel. Might God might do things together for the gospel. And just to complete what I said, visions in the kingdom will be today as well as yesterday. I just want to read you a couple of articles. Apparently dreams are rocking the Muslim world. Converting to Christianity in an Islamic culture is still extremely difficult even if the Muslim's conversion is prompted by a clearly supernatural vision. Nobody goes to bed a Muslim and wakes up a Christian. Yet dreams become a starting point. They motivate to find a Bible, find a Christian, and ask what this means. 95% of Muslims who are now Jesus followers say that they were led to Christ by someone explaining the dream to them. For example, Karima. It's not a real name. Dream, she was in a car when it crashed. She was knocked out, but when she opened her eyes in her dream, she saw Jesus was the driver. Come to me, he told her. I'm with you. I love you. That experience led her to seek out a church where she responded to the gospel. Omar had been locked up and tortured for years in a jail cell in a nation ruled by a dictator. And one night a messenger visited him in a dream telling him he would be set free. Within days he was released from prison and travelled to America where newfound friends reached out to him when he was given a book with a picture of Jesus on the cover. His eyes lit up. He says, I know him, he said. He came to me in a dream. And one more. I met a man who said 
he saw a Jesus dream and he didn't know what to do with it. So he got deeper into his Muslim faith. And then he went to Mecca. And on the first time around the Kaaba, the Muslim holy shrine, he saw a vision of Jesus standing in front of him. Jesus had a message. You're on the wrong path. You're on the wrong road. Leave this place and come follow me. And when the story was written, it said the man is getting baptised in the next few weeks. It's just what God is doing through dreams and visions in the kingdom today as well as yesterday. Seeds of greatness. Now I just want to tell you, John, has, he's not here, he's in South Africa, but he's been reading a book and it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Now I downloaded it to my iPad and I've started reading it. Can you do the same? It's very interesting, very wonderful what God is doing and amazing how God broke into his life through a dream. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our world today. We don't come to you exultingly with ourselves, we come exultingly in Jesus and for what he's doing. We come to you, Father, with a sense, Lord, of what you're doing. And so we just love people, Lord, that they might come to know you. Lord, speak to us afresh. Help us to know your presence amongst us. In Jesus' name. Yeah.